Well, amen. I appreciate that so very much. I enjoy hearing the teenagers sing. I really do. Appreciate that so very much. Take the Word of God with me tonight and turn to the Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah in the Old Testament there. And we'll look at the end of chapter 3 and really be looking at the fourth chapter in the service tonight. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak and trusting God to give us what it is He desires for us tonight. Jonah chapter number 3 to begin with. And as I said this morning, I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Missing Out on Revival. Missing Out on Revival. In just a week from today, we're going to enter into a week of revival meetings. Now, the purpose and prayer behind these meetings is that God would give unto us revival. That's what it's all about. That's why our pastor has been pressing for weeks for us to pray fervently for this week of meetings. That's exactly why it is so very important that we have seen message after message on preparing our hearts, preparing ourselves to be right with God so that when we enter into this week of meetings... God can give to us revival. And I believe tonight that revival is for God's people. It's for the born-again believers. And if you were to give revival a definition, I heard an evangelist once say that revival is uh, God's people returning to biblical principles. When God's people get right with God, they return to the Word of God, and there's a renewed passion to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. Revival is God's people returning to biblical principles. Now, oftentimes, many people get the idea that revival is when we see a great host of souls coming to the Savior. And while that's a wonderful thing, that's not revival. I believe that is a product of revival. However, when we turn to God fully, and that passion for serving the Lord Jesus Christ, that passion for souls increases And we experience that personal revival in our heart. When that fire gets hot and we are on fire for God as a church and as families, as individuals, we will see some byproducts of that revival. Increased witnessing will bring increased souls to the Savior. The buses will be filled with increased laborers. Faith promise will increase because of a new passion and the new members in the church. God's work will flourish here at Central Baptist Church when we experience revival. You know, it's interesting tonight when you look around the auditorium, you find that our church is made up of individuals and families. Individuals and families. And it ought to be the desire of every member of Central Baptist Church, every family. Our desire ought to be that God would give to us a true revival in our hearts. But you know, there's a very sad thing that can happen next week. And that very sad thing that could happen is that God could give Central Baptist Church overall revival, but you miss out on it personally. Because of something in your life, because of where you are tonight with the Lord Jesus Christ, it could be that our church goes through this week of revival meetings, our church overall gets on fire for God and the fire is burning, but you personally miss out on that revival in your own heart. But you know, even greater sadness than that, is that you could be the very thing that hinders revival from happening here at Central Baptist Church. And what a sad thing that would be. As we look at Jonah tonight, 
I believe most of us tonight, Sunday evening crowd, would be very familiar with the story of Jonah. We know that in chapter 1, Jonah was called to a very specific task. There was no doubt what it was God wanted him to do. God told him very plainly, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. Cry out against that great city. And though Jonah initially ran away from God's call, he eventually did what God commanded him to do. And, you know, the funny thing about this is Jonah saw with his own eyes. Jonah experienced what is probably one of the greatest demonstrations of God's mercy that has ever been seen in human history outside of the cross. Jonah saw with his own eyes a wicked, heathen nation repent of their sins, turn to God, and God gave forgiveness to an entire nation. You think about this. Jonah saw and experienced one of the greatest acts of God's mercy in history. He saw the power of Almighty God. And when you look at Jonah, you find this. The scene was set. Everything lined up perfectly. He saw the power. He saw God's mercy. God used Jonah. And it was all lined up for Jonah to experience personal revival. I mean, it was right there for the taking. He saw the power of God. He saw... The Holy Spirit moved in a mighty way and everything lined up for Jonah to have revival. But we're going to find tonight that he missed it. Completely missed it. And I want you to see tonight that there are three areas that I believe led to Jonah missing out on this revival. And if you find yourself tonight relating to or identifying with any of these three things, not only could it hinder revival in your heart personally, but it could be the very thing that stops revival from taking place at Central Baptist Church. If you have your Bibles there in Jonah, look with me at the last verse of chapter 3, and we'll continue reading on into chapter 4. Chapter 3 and verse 10, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? He said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow which came up in, the, in a night and perished in a night. Verse 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? 
I want you to see tonight, if you're taking notes, Jonah missed out on revival. And ultimately, the reason that Jonah missed revival is because of Jonah. It was himself. It was self that caused him to miss out on revival. He was the one to blame for the lack of revival in his own heart. But specifically, it was because of self in three areas. Let's pray, and then we'll look at what God has for us tonight. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity, the freedom we have to preach thy word. And Lord, I'm very confident this is thy message for the hour. So Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would use me and deliver this message in a powerful way. That the Holy Spirit of God would speak to the hearts of thy people. Lord, help us as we're just one week away from these revival meetings that our hearts would be right with Thee, that we would be prepared, that You might be able to give to us the revival that You so much want to give. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see tonight again, Jonah missed out on revival personally because of himself, but specifically in number one, in the matter of pride. Pride was one thing that caused Jonah to miss out on revival. And you know tonight, pride is something each and every one of us battle with. All of us have an old nature. We all have pride in our hearts. And that pride will 100% hinder you and I from ever experience the revival that God desires to give. Again, you look at uh, verse 10 of chapter 3. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. God repented of the evil. He said that He would not do unto them... Uh, and he did it not. Verse 1 of chapter 4, It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Jonah went so far as to even pray and say, Lord, I told you when I was in my country that I knew your character. I knew what kind of God you were. And I knew that if I went and I preached, it could be that you would forgive this nation of their sins. And Lord, it's better for me to die than to be here and see what's going on in this country. You look at Jonah. This is God's man. This is the man giving God's message. He saw God's power work in and through his life in this instance. And it's hard to imagine that anyone, after seeing an entire nation turn back to God, could respond or react the way Jonah did here in these first few verses of chapter 4. I mean, in verse 1, the Bible says he was displeased and he was very angry. Could you imagine being angry at seeing God move in such a powerful way? And yet, that's where we find Jonah. And I want you to know tonight that it was because of his pride. He was filled with pride, and that caused this reaction to come out of his life. You know, as soon as we see God giving the command in chapter 1 of Jonah, his initial response is to run away. His pride was so big and so puffed up, that he thought within his own heart that he was too good for that wicked place. God said to Jonah, Go to Nineveh, cry against the great city, for their wickedness has come up before me. And because of his pride, when he saw the nation of Nineveh, when he saw that city, his initial reaction is, Hey, I'm too good for that. I am way too good to go and spend my time preaching in that wicked, heathen city. In fact, he says when he's on the ship and the people ask, Who are you? He says, Well, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord God. And as we look at Jonah, we find that he was a Hebrew. He was one of God's chosen people. And Nineveh was wicked. And I would imagine that Jonah thought within his heart, Why should I, one of God's chosen people, 
Go to that city and preach to the scum of society. I mean, Jonah thought, after all, listen, I'm a Hebrew. I'm special. I'm of God's chosen people, and God's blessings are only for me and my, my kin. And his pride was so swelled up and so puffed up that the idea of going and preaching to Nineveh, well, he was just too good for that. You know, how often in God's work, when God tells you and I that we need to do something, and maybe it's not as glorious as we would like, maybe it doesn't have all the accolades, but there's a job that needs to be done, and God says to you personally, hey, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to do this for me. How often does our pride get in the way and say, but Lord, do you really want me to do it? I mean, I'm I'm not, that's a little beneath me. You know, I think all the time of different preachers that will bring somebody in to work on their pastoral staff or to work in their Christian school. And maybe I've heard these stories. I don't know them personally, but the preacher will say, hey, why don't you uh, go down there and clean that bathroom for me? Because it hasn't been cleaned in a while. And the pastor says, if he refuses to do that, he doesn't have the job. Well, why on earth, if he's wanting to work underneath this man, if he's wanting to work in this ministry, would he not go and clean the bathrooms if he's asked to do that? That's just common sense. Why? Well, it was beneath him. Pride got in the way. You know, every time that God speaks to us, it's not always going to be in the limelight. Every time God gives us a commandment, it may not always be what we want or what we expect. And if we're not careful, our pride will swell up and say, God, I'm too good for that. And that's what we see Jonah here in this passage. But not only was he too good for it, notice this in verse number 2. Verse 2 says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. Catch this. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Not only was Jonah too good to go and preach, But Jonah knew God's character. He knew it. He knew that his God was a God of grace and a God of mercy. And he thought within his own heart, they don't deserve God's mercy. I mean, Jonah actually admits it in verse 2. He spells it right out. Jonah knew God's mind on the matter. He knew how God was going to react and respond to this nation if they would return to God. And the truth is, Jonah said, hey, they don't deserve God's mercy. And the truth is, no one does. There's not a person in the room tonight that deserves God's grace and mercy. But when you read your Bible, you find that God always, every time, seeks restoration, mercy, and grace before destruction. And I'm so glad that when I step off the path and when I sin, God's first reaction to me is restoration and grace and mercy before He decides to destruction. I'm so thankful for that. But when... Jonah, knowing God's mind, he knew the character of his God. He knew the mercifulness and the gracefulness of his God. He knew that God could move in a powerful way in that nation. And knowing it, his pride got in the way. And his pride said, not in this country. They don't deserve it. Friend, how often are we guilty of looking at others and deciding that we know better than God for their lives? How often does God place us in situations and we swell up with pride and say, you know what, I know how to deal with this person. I know how to handle this situation better than God does. And we get in God's way. But Jonah was in God's way because he thought he knew better than God how to deal with the Ninevites. 
Do you realize tonight when you look at this passage and you see Jonah's heart for Nineveh, it doesn't say this, you're not going to find this verse in the Bible, but let me tell you the statement that Jonah is making with his life right now, and this is very strong. Jonah has literally said, I would rather see Nineveh suffer judgment and go to hell than experience grace. Man, that's pretty strong. He's delivering God's message, and he says with his life, I would rather see them die and go to hell than experience the grace of God. Can you just feel the hatred that he had for this people? Can you just sense the pride swelling up in his heart that they're not good, they're not deserving of God's grace and God's mercy? And the ironic thing about this is we find Jonah in the beginning running from God himself. Jonah runs from God. He jumps on the ship heading the opposite direction of Nineveh. And we know the story. They throw him out of the ship. The tempest stops. He gets swallowed by a great fish. And after he's been in the fish's belly for a good while, man, he's getting tired of this. And in chapter 2, he begins to repent of his sin. I believe Jonah hit rock bottom. He says, i got to get out of this. And he begins to confess his sin. He begins to repent of his sin. And here's the ironic part about this. Jonah was very quick, very willing to receive a pardon for his own repentance. But he was not willing to see Nineveh receive the same for their repentance. If that's not pride, I don't know what is. I guess he thought that he, his repentance was more deserving of, their, of God's mercy than their repentance. And Jonah's problem is he could not get past his pride. <clears throat> Can I tell you tonight, again, we all battle with this thing called pride. We're all sinners saved by grace. We still have that sin nature. And pride, mark it down, will hinder your heart from revival. And it could hinder Central Baptist Church from seeing revival. So in what ways could pride stop revival for you and I? Well, let me share this with you. Pride says in your heart and in my heart, when that pride goes unchecked, and you sit inside this church building and you hear message after message, that pride will rear its ugly head and say, you know what, I don't need to listen to the preaching. Pride says, I don't need to kneel at that altar and confess my sin. I'm good. You know, I've almost come to hate that phrase, I'm good. Because that's the attitude of America. That's the attitude of so many young people. I don't need to get right with God. I don't need to listen to what the preacher has to say. I'm good. And that's what Jonah is saying. And listen, friend, pride will tell you that you're good. Pride will say you don't need to listen to what the Bible says. Pride says you don't need to go to this altar and confess your sin and get right. Pride looks at everyone else around and says, you know what? I'm better than so-and-so over there. And if they're not going to go to the altar and get right, why should I? Friend, can I tell you this? If you're basing your relationship with God and you're basing going to the altar and getting right with God upon somebody else in this auditorium that you think you're better than, listen, you're filled with pride and it's going unchecked in your life. Because that person that you may think you're better than is not your standard. This book right here is your standard. It's the Word of God. It's God Almighty. But how often are we guilty? God speaks to us. God says, I don't care what they're doing. This is what you need to do. But then we begin to do this number in the invitation. And we look around and our friends aren't responding. And so-and-so, who we know is involved in a certain sin, is not responding. And we have this little debate in our minds. And we say, you know what? I'm a whole lot better than they are. I'm not involved in that. And if they're not going to go forward, why should I? 
Listen, friend, that will hinder revival from taking place right here. When that pride swells up, here's another thing that pride says. Pride says, I know what God tells me I should do. By the way, Jonah knew it. Jonah knew what he was supposed to do, and Jonah knew what God was going to do. And pride does too. Pride knows what I should do. But like Jonah, pride says, hey, why don't you just run and hide rather than submit to God? We know what we should do. It may be that God is telling you, you ought to witness to a certain person. God may be telling you, you need to be a blessing to so-and-so because they're having a hard time right now. God may say, be a friend to that one person that you know nobody else wants to be around because they need a friend and they don't have anybody else. God may say, forgive, even when you don't think that they deserve forgiveness. But when we allow pride to get in the way, like Jonah, we'll run and hide rather than submit to God. God says in the Bible that He resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. God says in His Word, if we'll draw nigh to God, draw nigh to God He will draw nigh to us. And I want you to understand tonight, please don't miss it, the fastest way to miss revival is to allow pride to exist in your heart. Because if God resists the proud then how will you and I ever experience the revival God wants us to have if we harbor pride in our hearts? You know, oftentimes we're proud and we don't even realize it. We need to get on our knees and ask God, Lord, is there any sense of arrogancy and pride in my heart that I need to get right? Has there been a time that you've asked me to do something and maybe I didn't even realize it, but I refused to do it because I thought I was too good for that? I was too good to befriend that one person that no one else likes. I was too good to be that witness. I was too good to forgive because I didn't think they deserved my forgiveness. Lord, is there pride that I need to deal with tonight? I believe Jonah missed out on revival because of himself in the matter of pride, but secondly, in the matter of division. Now this might get a little tough, but I want you to understand tonight, I want us to experience revival I want Central Baptist Church to get on fire for God. I want to see God move in our county and in our country. And I want to see God use this church to do it. But there are some things we need to deal with. And division in the church will hinder revival. And I believe that Jonah, revival was hindered in his heart because there was division in his life. Division with the church. Again, you, you have Jonah open there. Look back in chapter 3 and begin reading with me in verse 8 through chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 8. The Bible says this, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? This is Nineveh talking. And verse 10, God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them. And He did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. We see in this passage in verse 8 of chapter 3, Nineveh is beginning to confess their sin to God. Nineveh has heard God's message. They're getting right with God. In verse 1, Jonah gets angry about it. I mean, he's downright angry. You know what Jonah's problem was? You know why Jonah missed out on revival? Because he had a problem with his brothers and sisters in Christ. Understand tonight that as soon as Nineveh received God's message, they became Jonah's brother and sister. 
They became his brothers and his sisters in Christ. They had repented of their sin. They had turned to God. They were part of the family. But for Jonah, he ought to have been excited. We all ought to be excited when we see people turn to God. We ought to have a joy in our heart for the sinner that gets saved. And when they repented, he ought to have been excited. He ought to have loved for, cared for, and desired to disciple them as Almighty God loved and cared for them. There was no doubt there was bad blood between Jonah and this country. But can I tell you, the moment they received the message, every grudge and every evil thought that Jonah had for this nation should have gone out the window. And instead, we find that Jonah could not even stomach the thought of being united with his people. He couldn't stomach the fact of having fellowship with the Ninevites. He goes as far as to say in verse 3, Lord, I beseech thee, Take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Friend, he couldn't even stomach the idea of having fellowship with Nineveh. He literally prays to God and says, God, it is far better that you take my life and kill me now than to have fellowship with the saved of Nineveh. Hey, there was some strong division there. There was discord in the house of God. Jonah had some hard feelings and some bitterness toward those who had just got right with Almighty God. And again, I may be about to step on some toes here, but I wonder how often do you and I identify with Jonah and we harbor the same feelings in our hearts that Jonah is displaying in this passage for our brothers and our sisters. How often is there division in the church? How often is there a sense of bitterness or something against somebody because they did us wrong, because they said something about us, because they looked at us the wrong way, because they sat in our seat. I mean, just petty things. But we harbor these same feelings as Jonah toward the ones who God has said, hey, that's your brother. That's your sister. You're all part of the family of God. Friend, division will stop revival. We all know that the Bible teaches that we are to love one another. But so-and-so doesn't, they're just not lovable. You ever heard that? God says to love them, but, well, preacher, you just don't know. They're not very lovable. (laughs) Neither were you. We know the Bible says to provoke one another into love and to good works. But they couldn't do right even if they tried. I mean, have you met this guy? He couldn't do right even if he tried to. We know the Bible says to forgive. Now, this is tough. The Bible says to forgive, but we say in our hearts, well, you know what? I'll forgive when they earn my forgiveness. Can I just stop right here and say this? Bitterness oftentimes in the church is not something that's open for display. Oftentimes, the bitterness and the discord in the church is not right there open for everyone to see. Oftentimes, it's in the secretness of our hearts. And in our heart, when no one else knows about it, we have bitterness toward another brother or sister in Christ. And we allow that to swell up and to swell up. And rather than forgiving that person and being right with God, we say, you know what, they haven't earned my forgiveness. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said about me. It hurt. Friend, listen, let me just park right here for a minute and say this. 
whatever it is that somebody else in this church, in your family, or maybe in a former church, but they're a child of God just like you are, and you've got bad feelings for that individual, whatever it is they've done, I don't care how bad it is, listen, it is not even a fraction of what you and I did to our Savior on the cross. The Bible says that it was our sin that hung Him on the tree. The Lord Jesus Christ died, literally. They drove the nails in His hands and feet and they hoisted Him up on that cross. And He died on that cross. Why? Because He bore in His body the sin of the world. My sin and your sin put Jesus on that cross. And I'm so glad that as Jesus hung there, having been beaten, having His side pierced, having His body punished, He looked out and He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He looked at those Roman soldiers. He looked at those that had punished His body severely. And His desire was restoration. His desire was forgiveness. And if God forgives you and I, if His heart for us is forgiveness and restoration and fellowship for the very ones that put Him on that tree, what right do you and I have to withhold forgiveness from another Christian for anything they've done. Division will cause the power of God and His blessings and the revival He wants to give from happening here at Central Baptist Church. You know, we preached several weeks ago about the power of God on the early church. Many of you may remember that. And the power of God was there. They saw thousands saved. They saw God move because they were in one accord and they had all things common. Oh, there was no division in that church at that time. They were all in one accord and they had all things common. They had a common goal to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, they were right in the midst of revival. And they saw all the byproducts. Souls were being saved. The church was growing and God was blessing because they were in one accord. Friend, that's what I want for Central Baptist Church. That's what God wants for Central Baptist Church. One accord, no division. But I wonder tonight, how many in the auditorium, who is here tonight that is harboring a grudge or sowing discord toward a fellow brother or sister? I wonder if there's some tonight, and maybe it's been years and years that you've had something against somebody else in this church, or maybe it's something new. And it's just been eating at you and eating at you and eating at you. Maybe you are the one that the first chance you get to tear them down and to run them down behind their back, you do it. And you're guilty of gossiping and sowing discord. I wonder who it is tonight that needs to come to this altar tonight and say, Lord, I don't want to be the reason that this church misses out on revival. I don't want to be the one that stirs up division and sows discord. Please forgive me. And get that matter right. Can I tell you tonight how important it is that you and I are in one accord? Can I share with you what God says about this? How important it is to God that we not sow discord and have division? Listen to this. Division will cause us to hinder, will cause us not to have revival. But here's what God says about this matter. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. God says if you want to be right with Him, and I believe we all do, we want to be right with God, we want to be in the center of His will, but God says if you want to be right with Him, and you want to enjoy the blessing and the fellowship of Almighty God, but you have something against a brother or sister, God says you better go to that person and get that right first. Then you come to me and enjoy the blessings and the fellowship that I have for you. 
We find it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says this, Ye have heard that it is that it is said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath all against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. You want to know how important it is that you are right with your brother and sister? God says, hey, you want to be right with me? You better take care of this relationship first. Then you come to me. Friend, don't be the one that hinders revival. Don't be the one that sits through this week of revival meetings with a bitterness in your heart and revival comes to everyone else. But like Jonah, you miss out on it. See, Jonah's problem is he could not He would not get right with his brothers and sisters in Christ. There was division. Then notice with me lastly, not only did Jonah miss revival because of his pride, not only did Jonah miss revival because of division, but lastly because of laziness. You say, really? Laziness? Is that that important? Oh, it is. Laziness caused Jonah to miss out on revival. You see, revival is a work of God. I believe that. Pastors already said if the Apostle Paul was here and he was the one preaching, or if we had the most dynamic evangelist in the world come and preach to us, he could not give revival. It is still the drawing of the Holy Spirit that does the work. Revival is of the Lord. But do you understand that tonight that revival doesn't just happen? We don't just snap our fingers and clap our hands and schedule a preacher to come here for a week and expect revival to just happen. It doesn't work that way. There is a set or a standard of preparation, a level of preparation that must be done on our part. We have to be prepared and prepare ourselves to receive revival that God wants us to have. And if we fail to prepare or we prepare incorrectly, we will miss revival Listen, pastor does not make a schedule and type all these things out that we ought to be praying for to waste his time. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have a meeting with the administration of uh, this church and we meet upstairs and we pray for revival. We've been doing that for weeks now. Listen, we don't do that just because we have nothing better to do. We are trying to prepare to receive revival here at Central Baptist Church. Every member, every one of us, has to prepare ourselves to receive the gift and the blessings that God has for us. But how often do we find ourselves just indifferent about the things of God? I see so many young people across our country, and when it comes to church, and it comes to the Bible, and it comes to prayer, it comes to preaching, they're just indifferent. Could take it or leave it. Don't care. How often do we look at uh, at next week is just another week of meetings. How often do we sit by and just cross our arms waiting for God to do something big, but we've done nothing to prepare for that? Nothing to prepare to receive the power of God. Can I tell you that Jonah failed to prepare? His laziness led to a lack of revival in his heart. And here's what I mean by that. Jonah was spiritually lazy. 
Hey, he knew God, obviously. He knew God's character. He was God's man. He was a prophet. But you don't want to know what Jonah thought? You want to know how he was lazy? Get this. It was far easier for Jonah to run and hide than to swallow his pride. Oh, he was spiritually lazy. It was better for him and just easier to jump in a ship and take off away from God than to say, God, I'm wrong. I'm going to swallow my pride and get right. It was just easier because he was spiritually lazy. It was easier for Jonah to just sleep in the back of the ship than to go and preach, thus saith the Lord. It was just easier because spiritually Jonah was lazy. He did not prepare properly to receive what God wanted him to have. You see, God told him to go to Nineveh and preach. Do you believe tonight that God's only goal there was to do something special for Nineveh? I don't think so. I think every time the preacher stands to preach, not only does God intend for the preacher to have something special for the people, but God wants something special for that preacher too. Oftentimes the preacher gets more out of his message and God deals more with the preacher when he's preaching than the folks that are listening to him preach. And God wanted more for Jonah. It wasn't just Nineveh. God had Jonah on his mind. And God wanted Jonah to experience revival. But Jonah was just too lazy and failed to prepare to receive what God had for him. And you have to wonder. We're familiar with the story. We know the story. You've got to wonder if Jonah had spent as much time, as much energy, as much effort on his knees seeking God's mind on the matter, and he spent as much time on his knees as he did running and hiding, how this story might have been different. Have you ever thought about that? Had he sought God's heart for Nineveh, had he said, Lord, you, you know I've got a problem with them. You know that I, they're a wicked nation and I really don't want to go, but God, would you just give me your heart for them? I know you love them. I know you care for them. God, would you give me your heart of compassion for this people? Would you help me to see them as you do, as, as sheep without a shepherd? Would you help me to see them as lost souls going to hell? If Jonah would have just got on his knees and said, Lord, give me your heart of compassion for this people. How much different would his story have been? See, he failed to prepare. He ran when he should have been on his knees. He should have been seeking God's mind on the matter, God's heart. But rather than doing that, he just looked at Nineveh through his own eyes of flesh. Couldn't get past his pride. Couldn't get past the idea that they were undeserving. And I wonder tonight... Do you and I really want revival? I mean, we say we do. It's easy to say that we want revival, but maybe the better question tonight that you should ask yourself is, am I willing to prepare for revival? We can all say we want it, but where the rubber meets the road is, are we really willing to prepare for it? Because that may mean you and I have to swallow our pride. It may mean we have to admit, Lord, we've been wrong. Please forgive me may not be the easiest thing to come to an altar and get on your knees in front of a bunch of folks and get right with God. But if we, really want, if we really want revival, we really want to prepare for it, we may need to swallow some pride. It could be that if we truly want revival and we're going to prepare for that revival, we may need to let go of some gossip and discord. Oh, it feels good to run other people down. It, feels, it makes you feel good about yourself when you can go to somebody and talk about how bad somebody else is. It makes you look pretty good. Not in God's sight. 
makes you look pretty rotten. And it may be that you have to let go of some gossip and discord. It may be if you really want revival that you need to seek restoration of a brother or sister. Paul, that may not be easy to go up to him and say, listen, for years now I've had bad feelings about you. For years I haven't liked you because of something, but I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Oh, friend, are we willing to prepare for this revival? Are we willing to pray fervently every day for God's power? See, that's what it's going to take. It's not the preacher, it's the message. It's the Holy Spirit of God moving and working in our hearts. But we need to pray for that each and every day. We need to pray for that revival. You see, I believe tonight that Jonah missed a great revival. It was set up perfectly for him, but he missed it. And I believe for you and I tonight, right now tonight, revival's right here. God wants to give it. God is not going to be the reason you don't have revival. It's us. And revival is right here for the taking. Everything is lined up perfectly for us to enter into this week and hear the Word of God preached and return to the biblical principles and get on fire for God. It's right there for the taking. But are we willing to prepare for it? Are we going to miss out as Jonah did? You know, there's a sad thing, and that's this. We never hear of Jonah after chapter 4. Never hear about him again. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It could be that later on, Jonah got right with God. That's possible. We don't know. But I believe that God gave us this account to learn from. And we don't see or hear of Jonah after chapter 4 anymore. And I wonder, had revival taken place in his heart, has his, had his attitude toward God's mercy and grace been different Maybe seeing this nation turn to God, had it motivated him rather than depress and anger him, how much more of this man's life might we have read? We might have had another 10 or 12 chapters in the book of Jonah. There's no telling. I wonder how many more could have been reached. How many more nations could God have used this man to reach had he allowed revival to take place and seeing God's power motivate him rather than just anger and depress him. But he missed out on it. You know, I've heard people say before that Jonah experienced a little bit of revival in chapters 2 and 3 because he did confess his sin. And God did use him in a mighty way to reach this nation. But can I tell you tonight that I don't think Jonah ever experienced revival. I think Jonah's story is the story of the man that missed out on revival because had Jonah really experienced revival... Man, he'd have been excited about those souls coming to Christ. Man, that would have been the joy of his heart rather than being angry. Can I tell you what happened here? Jonah hit rock bottom. He was in the belly of that fish and he hit rock bottom. And he said, man, I got to get out of this. And he did confess his sin. And he did go and do what God wanted him to do. He went and preached, but I believe this. He went and preached, but he didn't have the right attitude. He didn't have the right motives. You know, it is possible to do the right thing, but to do it for the wrong reasons. That was Jonah. Because the whole time he was preaching, in the back of his mind, he was saying, I don't want him to get right. I don't want him to experience revival. I don't want to see him turn to God. I don't want God to forgive them. Listen, he didn't have the right motives. He was doing what God wanted him to do, but not for the right reasons. 
And I believe that God's blessing and the way that God worked in a mighty way was in spite of Jonah, not because of Jonah. Friend, here's the point. Jonah missed revival. was right there for the taking. He could have experienced it. Everything was set in place. And I believe for Central Baptist Church, man, everything's there for us to experience revival. And what's going to stop it for you personally, or maybe even for this church, is you. It's me, ourself. Jonah missed revival because of Jonah. He couldn't get over his pride. He couldn't stomach the thought of getting right with his brothers and sisters. He wouldn't prepare. Friend, here's the message tonight. Don't miss out on revival in your heart personally. God wants you to have it. And please, don't be the one that hinders the power of God from breaking through in this place. If you can relate to Jonah tonight in any of these areas, I would invite you in just a moment to come to this altar and get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't want to miss it. God, I don't want to be the one that causes everyone else to miss it. Lord, there's, there's pride in the way. There, there's, there's bitterness in my heart with a brother. I need to get it right. Lord, I haven't been preparing. I'm not prepared right now for this revival, but if you'll help me this week, I will prepare myself. I'll do what it takes. Please help me. If that's you tonight, I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed.